Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Following instructions is important. I, we, the last song we uh, sang, uh, which is Sovereign Lord, which is a beautiful song, and uh, I was uh, singing along with you. And then all of a sudden I realized that Jeff wasn't singing. I thought, well, that's not right. Jeff should be singing. And then I realized nobody behind me was singing either. And then I looked up and I saw the instruction, worship team only. And uh, so I quit singing. And I was very um, grateful that our sound people are on top of things back there and my microphone was off. Because uh, I am definitely not a part of the worship team. And uh, then I realized, okay, I'm not supposed to be singing right now. I will join in when John tells us and gives us instructions. In the Bible, as we've been studying the book of Hebrews together, there are many uh, instructions and guidance that uh, the the apostle gives to these uh, Hebrew Christians, these believers in Jesus Christ. And we've been uh, looking at these in the context, this Jewish context uh, that it's found in, and also at the principles for life that apply to us that we can uh, look at and learn from. And this morning, I'd like to ask you, we're, we just have two more weeks in Hebrews. We're going to finish up Hebrews next week. I'd like to ask you to turn to Hebrews chapter 13. And uh, there's some very important in, instructions and guidance here that it is good for us to pay attention to and to uh, put to uh, practice in our lives, in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 13. But let's pray as we open God's Word. And I, I do this not as a, just a habit or cursory but it is my desire and a desire of the leaders of this church that this is the time that, that God's Word is preeminent, that God's Word is heard, and that we listen to God's Word. Heavenly Father, we do open your Word at this time, and we are reminded, as we do, uh, that our brothers and sisters around the world, there are many today who gather around your Word in great danger. Uh, Lord, some will be uh, persecuted, some will be put in jail, there will be pastors who will be put in jail this week for daring to uh, read your word publicly. And, Father, we do not take for granted the freedom we have and the privilege we have to come to gather around your word in worship and learning and instruction and applying it to our lives. We do not take this lightly. And so we just pray as we do gather around your word that we will listen to your word and that our hearts will be soft and tender toward your word this day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, Hebrews chapter 13, there's a, there's a, a kind of a, I don't know if you want to call it a bridge or a transition passage that we didn't cover last, we didn't cover last week, but it connects the things that we talked about when, with the regard to the Lord's sacrifice for us, the things that the apostle has been teaching. It actually goes back to, um, Pastor Gary uh, spoke uh, some weeks ago about worship and service back in July. And that, let's look at verse 15. <clears throat> Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. And I just, I read that to you just to remind you, in just Jewish context that we find the book of Hebrews, this idea of, of worship um, had much to do with service. And sacrifice. The word, and Gary shared this with you back in July. Incidentally, all of our sermons are on our podcast or on our church webpage. You're able to go back and 
if you miss the service, you can go back or suggest to a friend. They can follow along with us anywhere. Um, and he, he talked about this point, that, that this idea of worship and sacrifice in the Old Testament was connected with the service in the tabernacle and temple as well. And they understood this context. And that is why these words go together. We've been talking about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And we've been talking about in the, in the previous chapter about the blood of Jesus Christ and how this connects, as we saw last week, with the Old Testament story of the Old Testament sacrifice. So it's a natural transition that he says, Offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. This is worship. I just want you to remember that, that your life, your life, worship is not just something we do here for a little section of time on Sunday morning. That's why um, I, I kind of resist those. Sometimes people will talk about the church service and they'll talk about the worship, the preaching, the fellowship, um, as if we can somehow disconnect or, you know, um, set these things apart. They're all connected. When we are in God's Word this morning, we are worshiping. When we are worshiping, we are in God's Word. The songs and the music that we sing are connected to the thoughts and the passages from God's Word. When you live this week, when you walk with the Lord Jesus Christ this week and, and serve Him through how you treat people, how you respond to Him, the decisions you make, your life is a life of continual worship to God. It's not just an hour on Sunday morning. It's not just singing is not just the worship group and the praise. It's, it's the totality of our, of our lives. And that's how the Jews understood it. They understood it that way. Or they were supposed to understand it that way. And so that's why he says, we offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The word sacrifice implies something that is costly, something you give. It's, it's, supposed, to, it's supposed to cost. Sacrifice, you know, you think of, the, of, of David when he, when he faced that crisis where the God's judgment was falling on Israel, and, and, and he needed to sacrifice. And Ornan said, here, take, take my oxen, take my wood. You're the king. Do what you want. And David says, no, I, will, I must pay for it. I will not sacrifice to God something that doesn't cost me anything. So our life of service and worship to God is a sacrifice of worship and praise to God. And then notice the next thing that connects with it. And don't forget. To do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Again, you see, sacrifice in the Old Testament, you could think of it just in terms of animal, grain, um, the new wines and so on that were sacrificed, the incense. But it's much broader than that. And these, these people understood that. And notice what he, and please pay attention to that. These are sacrifices, and God is pleased when we do good to others. Our lives, we, don't, we do not preach a works-based salvation at this church. We do not preach a works-based salvation. We, we preach from what, what Ephesians tells us, For by grace you are saved, through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a what? Gift of God, not of works, lest we should boast. But God has, has foreordained, has called us to walk in good works as a result of that salvation. And the apostle here says, don't forget to do that. Our lives should be evidenced by, by being good people and doing good things. That's what we as Christians should, should evidence the grace that God has already given us by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, that's all kind of transition to really our text this morning. And the next is just, is just two verses. 
And I'm going to read it from the, the NIV first. And most of your translations will say something along these lines. And now, uh, let me, okay, let's, let's, read, let's read it. You're probably already reading it, so let me go ahead and read it, okay? Verse 17, obey your leaders. And I, this, is the, this is the church faith community setting. I don't think, although the Apostle Paul, for example, in Romans tells us to be obedient to civic leaders and so forth, I think in this case he's talking in the church, what I call you know, the faith community setting. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them, so their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. I just want to talk with you about this passage today. I don't have a lot of detailed notes. I've done, you know, I've, I've, I've thought a lot about this, and humbly, um, and I would say that, you know, I, I've been in a full-time pastoral ministry now for 38 years. I've been here at this church for um, 32 years, and so humbly, I, I'm kind of at the place where I can talk about this, and I think. Um, with some with some humble experience and background to talk to you about church leadership. And I want us to think about this this morning because we are a church family. And if you're visiting with us today, and every Sunday we have people visiting, I never want anybody to feel like kind of us and them. Like, well, this is your church, but I'm not. No, this is, this is if you're part of the church, the family of God, you're, you're part of the church. And you, have, and you have your home church where you attend, I mentioned a lot of our young people will be heading off to college here back in May. They're attending churches back. I was impressed. Michael, a couple of weeks ago, um, he, he took the week off. We gave him permission to leave. Went down to Oregon because he wanted to be at the, the, the service for his pastor. That was the last Sunday of his how long, how long have you been there, Michael? Just a year. But he's going to plant a new church in Florida? Yeah. And Michael's been going to that church, and he wanted to be part of the pastor's farewell. And, uh, and you know, I think that's great, you know, that, that, we've, that we have these connections and and when Michael said, Michael said, well, I'm, I have to go down to, I'm going to be, I was at my, uh, my pastor's farewell. Wait a minute, I'm your pastor, you know. <laughs> so, but he's got two pastors, you know. <laughs> but, you know, I, it's good. And you have a home church and your fellowship, and you can take these things and apply them to your fellowship that you're a part of, wherever it may be. As we read this passage, the first thing that might jump out at you is, the words, verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. Now, those two words, submit and obey, don't always, don't always fit with our, I'm just speaking myself, they don't always fit with my human nature. This is why whenever I preach Ephesians 5, and you know what passage I'm talking about, husbands and wives, um, like I've told people, whenever I, pass, whenever I speak on that passage, I have come, after my years in the ministry, I have come to expect, no matter how hard I try to say it right, I will get emails. <laughs> I used to get letters, now I get emails, and I appreciate that. Yes, but you don't understand. Uh, yeah, I get it, okay? You know, um, These are words that raise a little bit of uh, concern to some people, and sometimes maybe from experiences. Obey your leaders... And submit to their authority. Now, I'm actually going to talk more about the leaders this morning. And, uh, and when I talk about leaders in our church family, when I talk about leaders, 
I'm going to be referring primarily to the pastors and the elder board. And those, uh, um, you know, the, 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 the pastoral, the ministry staff, the ministry staff would be, uh, Pastor Kevin's been up here this morning, our youth pastor. How long have you been in ministry, Kevin? How many years now? Eighteen. Pastor Gary's been here, I think, Rachel, eight years as a pastor. Susie has been on staff. She's off somewhere with the kids, I'll bet you. Right? <laughs> okay. Um, more, she was on staff before you came, Kevin, so over 15 or whatever has been here. Uh, like I've already told you how long I've been here. And then we have a board of elders in our church who are the, the, the chosen spiritual leaders of this flock. That's the leadership of this church, I think, that would apply here to this, to this passage. Obey your leaders and to submit to their authority. What's interesting to me, as I was studying this, that I looked at some different translations, and almost all the translations use the words obey and submission. I think you'll find that in just about every translation you have there. And what's interesting to me is, I, the one translation that had it a little different was, was the new NIV. And I know there's some controversy over the new NIV for various reasons. Um, but in this particular case, the translation is very good. And it forced me to go back to the original language a little bit. To say, well, why, did they, why did they say it this way? Here's what it says in the NIV, the, the newer NIV translation. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. I thought, wow, that, that's a, that comes out a little bit different. And, and I went back as best I can with the original language, and that's actually a very good translation. Because the word here that is used in the Greek language, this is not the same word used in some other places that are well known for submit and obey. It's, it's, the, word, it's the word that comes from the, a word that means... Um, on the, on, if it was applying to me to, to win over, if I wanted to win over Jeff to my opinion on something, my persuasiveness, what I would do to, to, win, his, to win him over to what I am trying to convince, to sell something. Those of you that are in sales, that are in sales, this idea, you, you're trying to sell something, you're trying to win somebody over to, to what you have to offer them because it's a better product, it's a better price, whatever it is, you're trying to win their confidence. That's what the word is. And, and in this perfect tense that it's used here, it very, and you look at several of the grammars and backgrounds, and while it can mean obey, but that, that it's obey in this context of having confidence in your leaders to obey them, to listen to them, have confidence in your leaders. And I just want to pass it on to you this morning as we look at this passage that this clearly is a reciprocal relationship. This is not a one-sided relationship either way that the Apostle is talking about here. Have confidence. Have confidence in your leaders and therefore submit to their authority. Listen to them. Do what you're asked. Be a part of the team. Have confidence and obey or submit. Uh, I think that's a good translation. And I think it adds a lot because if you notice the next verse, he addresses, he addresses the leaders. 
They, that is these leaders that I'm asking you to have confidence in and to obey, to listen to, these leaders keep watch over you. And in the Greek here again, they keep watch over your souls. That, that word is missing in my NIV translation here. But it's the idea that they keep watch over your, your suke, your souls. They are watching over your These leaders have the responsibility to watch over your souls, to watch over your life, to watch over you. And they are men, they are leaders who must give an account to who? Obviously, to God. Obey them so that their work will be a joy and not a burden. For that would be of no advantage to you, you plural, you family of God. You see the reciprocal arrangement here. What God is asking from the church, from the faith community, and what God is asking from the leaders of that faith community. It's very important because the end result is that the leaders can serve with joy and that their ministry will not be a burden, for that's no advantage to the church family. For a healthy church family, it is no advantage to have pastors and elders who, who feel like they're on the defensive and beat down and, 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 and not able to, to serve God with any kind of joy. And for the church, the family of God, it is no fun, it is no good, it is not healthy to serve in a situation where you have no confidence in your leaders. Right? It's a reciprocal arrangement. And I want to speak, I want to speak first of all, and I know you're sitting here thinking, well, I'm not an elder, I'm not a pastor. But because you're part of this church family, or a church family you have, you do have a relationship with your elders and with your pastors. And some of you young people here, I'm hoping are considering that God would open your heart to serving as pastors. We have a rich tradition in this church of, uh, of young people who end up in full-time Christian service. And I, want to be, I always want to be careful because I don't want everyone, anyone ever to feel like if you're not in full-time Christian service that you're somehow second-class servants. Not at all. I don't believe that. and I don't, I'm not going to try and explain it. I don't believe that. But at the same time, when God calls somebody to full-time Christian service, it's an important calling. Bruce, how many years ministry? 21? You're 121 now? <laughs> huh? 21 to 79. Full-time Christian service. So that's, uh, somebody do the math. <laughs> yeah, 58 years. 58 years, uh, Brother Kemper, who started out Where? Youth pastor here, and served in churches, and then served as president of Grace Bible College, and is still active in ministry. Um, that that is a, that is a, a calling, and it's important. And it started somewhere. I don't really know the details, Bruce. I'm sure I've heard the story of of where that story started with that calling. My story started. I've been in the ministry thirty, whatever I told you earlier. 38 years. Uh, my story started right about where that second pillar is right there. Because um, that's where I always sat with my, my mom and family. And then it really got a start right over here by this piano uh, in 19, 
I believe it was 1971 when, uh, when uh, Norm MacDonald's daughter Kathy and her husband were killed instantly in a plane crash. And they were preparing for ministry. Full-time Christian ministry. Flying across Lake Michigan and they were gone. And uh, a future of full-time ministry, it was gone. And our pastor Peterson gave an invitation that night and several of us came and stood right by this piano and committed our lives to the Lord. Wherever, whatever that meant. And uh, young people, I'm just telling you, if God puts that call in your heart to serve as a pastor and missionary and full-time Christian work, listen to it. Listen to it. And parents, don't ever try and discourage them. Please, don't ever say, oh, you'll, you, you can't support your family. I'm not starving, right? About 20 pounds more than I'm not starving right now. I'm on, I'm, keep me accountable, friends. December 31st, it's going to be 20 pounds less. That's not a joke, okay? <laughs> Guys, I've never known any pastor or missionary. It, there's hard times. All of you have hard times. You all do. Don't discourage them. What does God call and ask of us? What, is, what, is, what are those 50-some years for our brother Bruce? And my 38 years and another and Kevin and Gary and Susie and I. What, what does God call? What does God ask of us? Here's what, here's what you have a right Here's, here's, what, here's what you have a right to expect from us to give you that confidence to partner with us in the ministry. Number one, uh, I want you to go to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. This is a, a very emotional part of Scripture. We've looked at it before in our studied Acts. But in Acts chapter 20, in Acts chapter 20, and... The Apostle Paul is saying goodbye to the Ephesian elders. These are, this is a church that he, he helped establish. He's poured his life into it for three years. He's gone. He's come back. He doesn't even actually go to the city. He goes out to the coast, and they come out to meet him. And he speaks, and the leaders come out to meet him. And there's weeping when he tells them, I'm never going to see you again, and so forth. And you know, that's verse 25. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will, preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore I declare to you today, and he talks about what he's done. I am innocent in the blood of all men. I have not hesitated to proclaim to, you the, to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Here's what he tells them. These are the elders. These are the shepherds, the pastors of this flock. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. This is the high calling. And it's it's one that none of us are worthy of. Listen, I know better than anybody I'm not worthy of this. I'm a sinner just like you. It always amazes me when people somehow they look. Oh, I've never been to the pastor's office. I've never been to the pastor's house before. You never, they're kind of like I'm, I'm just Jim. <laughs> it's just me, you know. Um, and but I understand there is a there is a there's a certain level of leadership that that is respected, and I appreciate that. But what we are called to as pastors, and if God calls you into eldering at this church or another church, or if God calls you into pastoring. Full-time Christian work. God is calling you to shepherd God's flock. And this family, this flock, you, along with myself, 
are people that, and he reminds them, he bought with his own blood. I look at this cross up here, and, and, I, and sometimes you know, I think of that, that cross up there, and there's a cross on top of our church. And the fact that, it, 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 yes, we are not afraid, and we do not hesitate to talk about the blood of Jesus Christ, as we saw last week, as the only detergent that cleanses from sin. We have been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. And Paul, in this case, has called the elders to be shepherds. Shepherds take care. Shepherds watch over. Shepherds nurture. Shepherds feed. Shepherds protect. And shepherds should work hard. Um, it's, it's a sad thing if someone thinks, well, I'm going to go into ministry because this is going to be an easy way to make a living. <laughs> okay? um, we are called to be, to be responsible. And you have a right to, to expect us as leaders to have confidence in us as shepherds. In the Old Testament, the shepherds of Israel were taken to task because they were slaughtering and eating the flock of God, if you will. And God says, I'm going to hold you accountable because you were called to care for them, not to destroy them. You have a right to expect that we as leaders and elders in this church, that we are shepherds. And that we've given, given our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ to care and take care. The Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy. Another passage that just before, I believe, Paul's last writing, before he dies. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, the Apostle Paul tells Timothy this. Here, here's this here's challenge to Timothy. So the shepherds, pastors are called to be shepherds, to care for the flock. To give our lives to care. You have a right to expect that, to have confidence in our leadership. The Apostle Paul says this, verse 2 Preach the word. He, of all the things he could have told Timothy, because Paul's, Paul's about to die, he's going to be executed. There's not much left to say to Timothy. He's counting on Timothy. And of all the things he could say to him, he says to him, Preach the word. Be prepared in season, out of season, correct, rebuke, encourage, with great patience and careful instruction. And again, in this passage here, he says the time is coming. Well, people aren't going to want to hear that. In Timothy's lifetime, it's nothing new. In the Acts, the passage I just read, he says, I'm telling you this because savage wolves are going to come from within your own, your own group. He tells those leaders, people are going to come from within you and try and tear this flock apart. And Paul says here to Timothy, there's going to come a time where people don't want it. But Timothy, your responsibility as a leader is to preach the word. We are called to shepherd the flock. We are called, and you have a right to expect if, if we want you to have confidence in our leadership, to preach and teach God's word. Amen? If we don't do it, who's going to do it? If we don't do it from our pulpit and our classrooms to our children, if you don't do it in your families, who, who is going to do it? Preach the word. We are called to shepherd. We are called to preach. We are also called and teach and instruct. We are also called, as Paul said back in Acts 20, to watch ourselves. We accept the fact that we are held to a higher standard. 
We don't always like it, but that's just the way it is. It's part of being in leadership. There are things that, that I have to choose not to do and things that I have to be careful about and so on because of the responsibility I've accepted. Whether we like it or not, we have to expect that. And finally, James chapter 3. One of the earliest epistles. James chapter 3, brother of our Lord. He says this, and this coincides with Hebrews. Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. And that's and that fits with what the apostle in Hebrews says. The apostle in Hebrews says, "Keep watch over you, they keep watch over you as those who must give an account." And we are responsible, friends. And if God calls any of you into leadership as pastor, full-time Christian work, or as an elder, some of you here are going to be called to be elders in this church or another church, God has called you to be a shepherd. God has called you to be willing to teach and hold up God's word. God has called you to watch over your life. And before you say yes... You need to understand, it says right there, we have to give an account to God. for Not for perfection, not for sinlessness, but for our heart's attitude as a shepherd and servant of God. This is how you need to pray for us as leaders. Because if this happens, we have a situation where you can have confidence and submit with joy to the work of the church. We are a team. And I just want to tell you, I've spoken mostly about leaders today, and it's, I'm going to quit here in just a minute because we have to get out on time today. We don't have to get out on time, but it would be nice if I did that, right, since we're going to the game today. Um, I remember I, I grew up in this church, and Pastor Peterson occasionally would go over time, right? Occasionally he would actually get out on time, I guess what I really mean to say. And uh, Pastor Schutz, when I was a Christian ed director, would occasionally go over to the point that one Sunday morning I had this nursery staff says, if we go over half hour again next week, we're bringing the babies up here right in the choir loft. And we're gonna sit <laughs> so I'm going to get out here in just a minute because we're going to game today and we got a lot to do to get down there. But to you as, as family of this church, he says, he says here, Obey them so they, their, that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that is no advantage to you as a church. And I, just, and I want to say this, and, and, I, and I thank God. I thank God for the years I've had to serve this congregation. Uh, it has been a joy. I have, I have never had a day I've woken up and said, that was the dumbest thing I ever did. You know, I've never felt that way. Is it always fun? No. Is your job always fun? You know what I tell my kids when, I used to tell my kids when they would complain about working, they would start working, they'd say, well, that's why they pay you. <laughs> it's, it's called work. You know, they don't pay you for having fun. Um, but it's been a joy. Because in this church, uh, we serve together. 
And I'm not bragging, but I'm just telling you a fact. When we meet with other pastors, and you can ask Susie this. She brought them the numbers one time. And they said, you're kidding. That, that's not right. You don't have that many people in your church serving. Yes, we do. We have close to 70% of our people in some type of service and ministry. And, and that's because we, we work together. On your end of it, but we are never going to ask you. We are never going to ask you to never question anything we say or do. And we are never going to say you have no right to, to question us. You actually have a responsibility to hold us accountable. As mature Christian people, which you are, because some of you here will be serving as elders in this church, you actually have a responsibility and a right to say, well, in the right attitude, Pastor Jim, you know, elders, have you guys considered this? Or did I get that right? I mean, let's talk, can we talk about that? And if you ever get the response from me or anybody here that says, no, you don't have a right to question this. No, we're not going to talk about that. You just don't even bother. Then, then you're in the wrong church. We, we are not called to be autocratic. We are called to work together, to be leaders you can have confidence in and respect and obey when it comes to things that we ask that have to be done and decisions we make as an elder board and so forth. But at the same time, we have a responsibility to listen to one another, to have a mature relationship. And what I ask of the church family, because I know human nature and I know myself, that what I ask is that we not have a critical spirit. Not that you can't ever critique. There's two different things. But to have a critical spirit where we get together and, and backbite, where we get together and, and, not, and we're, not, we're, not, we're, not, we're not willing to step up and go to the person and say, you know what, um, i got to talk to you about this. But we're going to talk to everybody else about it. That's a critical spirit. And that does not bring joy to anybody, to you or to me, if I do it or you do it. And as leaders, it's not bring us joy to criticize you and vice versa. What God has called us to do, He has called us to be a mature, growing community of faith that realizes we are all imperfect. None of us are perfect. We are all sinners. But we have the Holy Spirit. God has put people in places of leadership in this church family that we want you to have confidence in. Which means that me and the rest of the leaders in this church need to act and live our lives in a way that build that confidence so that it's a joy to serve. It's a joy to agree. It's a joy to say, okay, this is what has been, we'll work with you together on this. And they continue to create a healthy church family, which I think, and I'm not bragging, but I think we have a healthy church family. But we don't ever take these things for granted. So that's my message this morning. I just want to talk to you about that, Okay. Not really an oratory or so much of a sermon as I just wanted to talk to you this morning what's on my heart about this because I thank God, I thank God for this church family. When my kids were growing up, I had a saying in my house that, uh, I've told you this before, but when my girl, my girls came first. I know my son is the same way, but my girls came first because I had three girls. And when they would sometimes complain about this, that like we all do and teenagers my saying was, quit complaining when they were 18 years old. What's that say? That's right, because I reminded them. 
at 18 years old, at 18 years old, girls get drafted just like men in the army in Israel. Not there's anything wrong with serving the army of Israel. But, you know, being in the army life means uh, tough work, obedience. And, you know, some of you know about that. So I'd say, quit complaining. If you're in Israel, you'd be in the army. Uh, somehow I got kind of known for that. So my friend Wilson Fossey one time um, had this made for me. Uh, Bernie, Bernie Lorenz did this for me and it sits in my office. But I don't generally have this side out. Because actually they could have said the same thing to me. Dad, quit complaining. If you're in Israel, you'd be in the army too because, you know, you're in the reserves so you're 57 years old, I think, or something. You know. But he did this for me. But then he also, there was another saying that, that I brought back with us from our second trip to Israel. Our guide kept saying, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forevermore. That's the sign I keep out in my office. Okay? Uh, God has surrounded us as a church family. He's been good to us. Look what he's given us. Look what he has put in our hands. Look what he has put in our hands. Could you, could you try to build this facility today? Give us the resources he's given us, the leaders, the people. God's given us so much. As we wrap up this year and move toward our next calendar year, um, I'm trusting it will be a year where God will accomplish wonderful things and touch lives and that we will continue to be a family of God that is healthy, that you have confidence in your leaders, we are working and serving together, and that this will be a place that the name of Jesus Christ will be lifted up. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you. This is your world. And we thank you that you have surrounded us as the mountains surround Jerusalem. You've surrounded us both now and forevermore. We're going to spend eternity together. And Father, I just, I just want to pause today to give you thanks for this congregation, this family of God. Lord, I thank you for the willing spirit of service, of giving, of cooperation. Uh, Lord, I think, I'm sure it's true that more than anybody, those of us that are on the full-time ministry team here, we see the acts of service and compassion and kindness and giving that are quietly done more than anybody. And I thank you for that. I pray for us as leaders. I thank you for the elder board of this church. I thank you for their love for you. Lord, I thank you that they love this flock. They are passionate about serving you and, and, and ministering. I thank you for the, the, the men and for Susie that I work with, Lord, as we serve together. And Father, I just pray. I just pray, Father, that in spite of ourselves and our weaknesses, that we will be the kind of leaders that, that people can have confidence in. And that this will be the kind of church where we understand what it means to sacrifice. We do not expect it to be easy, but we expect it to be joyful because you are in it. We have so much to give you thanks for today. We love you, Lord. We love you so much. In Christ's name, amen.